I think what the problem is in America, there's a lot. But one I'm going to focus on is time management. And I'm going to open up with, uh, I was in the Navy, and I went to boot camp and went on some uh, military uh, maneuvers. And, but I had a family problem. My father, uh, he, had a, he, he uh, when, when I was 11, he had a gas station. He was shot five times. Uh, God spared his life. But he had surgery after surgery after surgery. So after I got married, I went into the Navy and spent some time there. And then all of a sudden, he had an emergency problem. And I was the oldest son, and the family business was a gas station. So uh, I couldn't complete my service time, got some in. Uh, but the rest was taking care of my five brothers and sisters and, and so forth. But uh, the thing that struck me, I went to Great Lakes uh, boot camp. And the mantra there was, hurry up. Hurry up, double time, sailor, double time, double time, hurry up. And then when you got to the place, they said, okay, wait. Say so you run a mile or two, I don't know what it was, it was the Great Lakes, and we have a duffel bag too, you know. And so it's one thing after another, hurry, wait, hurry, wait, hurry, wait. And I know the friends that I made through that, uh, we talk about these times. He says, wasn't that annoying? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was annoying. Rush, 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 wait, and you got two hours to wait for the next activity or what you were supposed to do to get processed or you were going from one place to another. So we often wondered, why is it like that? Why, why is it? Well, the experience probably that the military has all these many years, realize that people are not by nature punctual. And part of military training is to be ready all the time. All the time. You never know when or how. So in discussions, how do they get away with it? Because they own you. They feed you, clothe you, and you're under their strict orders. And if you don't follow the orders, you'll regret it. So they kind of own you. So many people, we used to sing, we gotta get out of this place if it's the last thing we ever do, you know? And that was our mantra, okay? My time is short, Let, let's get out of here, you know? And now live on my time. Well, when you live on your time, those who are smart take the regimentation of the military and they have a sense of order and purpose in their life. Those who said, forget this, well, the story is not as good. So what we feel to realize is we're always on God's time. See, God gave us the gift of life and time. And when we live for ourselves, life is not as fulfilling. 
And there are those Christians who live for themselves and include God. And they wonder why things just aren't where they need to be. You know, it's like taking biblical counsel, mix it with secular counsel, and say, there it is, there's the answer. No, it's not. It's God who created us, created the universe. And if you notice, God is a God of order. And we'll get into that uh, in a few moments. So time is our most important commodity. You know, the two most important things that we have that of great value is time and money. And when it comes to living life, if you're a, a, a husband or uh, a, a son, a daughter or something, it takes money to live. And many of us who have raised kids have put, I don't know how much money toward our kids, raising them, feeding them, clothing them. And we did it because we love them and want to influence them. And you say, uh, money is a valuable commodity, but you could get money back. But you can't get time back. I'll never be 18 again. I'll never be a dad with kids that are three and five and seven and nine. I can't go back. I can't fix my mistakes. And as a result of that, there are, there, are, there are consequences to life when we don't follow God's pattern. And God's mercy is enormous. Uh, God spared me a lot of stuff, I'm telling you. I made a lot of mistakes in my life, but I didn't have to pay for some of them like some people have. And you say, well, how's that make sense? It doesn't. It's the mercy of God. It's God's choice. So when we look at hurry up and then wait, hurry up and then wait, hurry up, we get impatient with God. You know, we have to wait on God. God doesn't move in our time. We should move on his. And we get ahead of God sometimes and we regret it. And then we lag behind and we run to get up and we miss steps, we miss things, but we got there. <sighs> okay, I'm here. Yeah, but how much did you miss? So the Ecclesiastes says to everything there's a time. And I'll get to that later. But time is our most valuable commodity. An amazing thing that I did, I, I worked... I pastored for just under 24 years. I worked in the car business, and I used to like to ask people, okay, hey, how's it going? Oh, I'm busy. Now, I never took the liberty to say doing what. I wanted to. But ask people. Just go up randomly and say, hey, how you doing? Oh, I'm really busy. And it doesn't have to be the holidays. Everybody's busy. Just drive down the road and a guy will go past you doing 250 miles an hour and you'll see him at the light and you go like this. Where are you going? You see guys shaving on the way to work, see women putting their makeup on, and I'm going, really? You couldn't take that 10 minutes at home? Uh, well, I'm busy. <laughs> okay. 
Now, the curious thing about that, we're busy doing what? Doing what? You know, in my pastoral experience, Christians are the busiest people in the world. Well, at least when you ask them to do something, they always say they're busy. And in that, so few in the church are busy because the few do the work of most. And the church doesn't function like it could or should. And I think our pastor, I'm new to the party here. We have two services so families can worship together. All right, there are people involved and, and he don't want you to be involved too much where you just missed worshiping with your family. Uh, that's why we come here, isn't it? Yeah. But we need to sustain the work. We need to do the work. And, and somehow uh, the few do so much to get it done, but they are stressed, I'm sure. It was true in my ministry. So what are we doing? Let's look at marriage. Many marriages are a mess. So one of the problems that breaks marriages up in America are finances. Finances. And we make more money today than we ever have. And we have more debt than we've ever had. Can you explain that to me? Credit cards are maxed out, and we're making more money. I mean, today, minimum wage. Ready for this? This is true. When I worked for my father at a gas station, I made 50 cents an hour. Just go like this. Wow. <laughs> I look back and I say, gee whiz, how'd I make it? And they're the advertising now. McDonald's, anywhere, 15, 18, 20 bucks an hour. Uh, you know, it's pretty good money for entry-level work. But everybody needs more and more. And budgeting is a lost art. Uh, some people, you talk about a budget, they say, we don't have a budget. We live from paycheck to paycheck. Not good. So, we find ourselves with much, but we have little to show for it. It causes stress. Why? We live for ourselves. If we lived for God, we would tithe, we'd put him first, we become stewards. It's required of stewards to be found faithful. And God provides the paycheck, the skills, and we need to manage it budget, appropriations, discipline, say no once in a while to yourself or kids or whoever your, your situation is. So budgeting's easy. You make X and you don't spend more than X. There are those who think you can spend your way to prosperity. I don't know how that works. But in the marriage relationship, many marriages are a mess. 
Fathers are not leading. Mothers are not managing the home. And as a result of that, um, nobody is training the kids. They're on their own. We're two out, you know, both parents are working, going for the American dream, and our greatest possession and commodity is our children. And we don't have time for them. Time management. So, if we don't manage our lives, how could we expect them to make their lives meaningful? I was a substitute school teacher for 12 years. And when you teach high school, <clears throat> middle school, which I gave up on, <clears throat> everybody wants a party, party. And I used to tell them, I said, you don't party till you win. You don't party till your work's done. We just like partying. <clears throat> I said, what are you partying for? Having a good time. Doing what? Why? When do you have the time to pursue meaningful things? Things that make a difference. Things that would help you be or do or have. So we see in America, uh, marriages are a mess. Why? Little or no time's given to identify or carry out the responsibilities. You know, when I had my church, we went through the women's lib and all that. And I used to tell people, okay, uh, men who work construction have trucks. And people who need transportation have cars. The man is the truck. God built the man to carry the load. The woman's the car. Very efficient, proficient, good gas mileage, economical. You know, women are amazing creatures. God made the woman to complete a man because God said everything was good when he created it. This is good, that's good, the, the, the sky's good, the ocean's good, creation's good, but it's not good that man be alone. We're going to make him a helpmate. The woman was made by God for the man, and the man was made by God for himself. And we need to know our roles and purposes. It takes a man and a woman to make a baby. It takes a man and a woman to raise babies. Somehow we lost that in this country, somehow. I don't understand it. You know, I, don't, I, I, I could just read between the lines. You know, I judge everything by the scripture. Uh, I try not to stray from it because uh, God's the only one that's right. Amen. Amen. I got to change, not him. Uh, you know, if you read the Old Testament from cover to New Testament to cover, the whole problem in, in the Bible, why there's so much death and destruction and captivity and bondage, because the, the Pharisees and the priests in the Old Testament, they all wanted God to compromise his word. Do it our way. God said, no, you do it my way. 
And he told them, if you go to the promised land and obey me, I'll bless you beyond your imagination. If you disobey me, I'll curse you like you've never been cursed. Well, you know the story. Well, if God didn't spare his own people, why would he spare us? Everybody thinks, you know, God, oh, well, you know, uh, we're Christians and we love God, well, most of the time, and we live for God when it's convenient. And we repeat history. So we can't stay together being married. So the consequence, the homes are in disarray. There's a lack of order. Why? There's a void of time management in the home. Everyone has to contribute to make a house a home. Everyone, even the kiddos. You know, my kids went to bed when I told them to go to bed. Today, the kids tell the parents when they're going to bed. See, that wouldn't work in our house. Why? Because I needed time with my wife. I didn't need no little kids running around, getting away, making trouble. I need to re reunite with my wife and share with her. I love her, appreciate all she did for our home while I was working. She had to feel loved or she'll feel taken for granted. Amen? And then she was a good steward of the money we made and didn't spend us into debt. And I thanked her for that because she appreciated that I worked for a living for our family. But today, the homes are lack of order. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 14.40, if you'll turn there, I'll give you a chance if you're following, uh, if you have your Bible. Hey, there it is. <laughs> Let some things... No. All things be done decently and in an orderly fashion. Now, let me share what that means. Decently is properly. Who wrote the book on how whatever it is has to be done? God. And orderly. He who fails to plan, plans to fail. You got to have a plan. You don't wake up and say, Duh. you know, I, I don't want to put my wife on the spot, but I really enjoy it. We have plans tomorrow. We start with time. 730. And after that, we have another appointment and we have another one. You say, well, what do you mean? We got a plan and we work it and we end up getting done what we need to and don't neglect what we're supposed to do because we did what we need to do. And then at two o'clock, we could sit down and enjoy each other's co uh, coffee, coffee, a company with coffee and a snack. And that's at two o'clock every day, we kind of meet there. Why? I love my wife. My brother told me, he said, you know, you're going to retire. He said, you're going to have to get away a couple days a week or you'll kill each other. 
So we were home, and, and my brother tells my wife, he said, you're going to need some time away from him. He said, that's what I need. He says, I, 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 I do this or that. And I looked at my wife. I said, you need time away from me? She said, no. I said, I don't need time away from you. I said, in fact, I like being with you. She said, well, I like being with you. Obviously, there's something different. You know what I mean? The point is, if we maintain our marriage, our home, everything has a place. Right, ladies? Hey, where'd you get your jacket? Put it back. The kiddos. Okay, my wife used to do a military inspection in their rooms. My youngest son, you know, he was a little more outspoken than the other one. And he said, why are you doing this? I said, so, I, so then you'll learn how to live without us. <laughs> when you go to college, you're going to thank God for your mother. So, at one of my many plans, I told my older boy, I said, hey, I said, you're 16, you got to get ready for college. I said, make believe our house is yours. I said, you know what that means? He said, what? I said, you cut the grass, you take out the trash, all right, you do everything I do. And he said, okay, Pop. Went off to college, great. The youngest one. Told him the same thing. He calls his brother up. He said, you know what? Dad is really lazy. He said, he's pushing all his work off on me. And my son called me. He said, you know, what you're, you're, you know what Gabe's saying? I said, no. He said, you're lazy. What are you doing? I said, I'm doing with him what I did with you. I told him, you know, once you leave home, I don't believe you keep him home till they're 40. So, you know, you go to college and have a sayonara. Now, your mother and I shared our time with you, and now it's all about us again. Amen? So it, it took him three months in college, you know, and he said, I really appreciate what mom taught me, how to make the bed and all. I said, well, great. And I always tell folks, I'd rather be late to the party than miss it. Amen? But they had their responsibility. Oh, mom will pick up after me. She'll do that for a while. But everybody contributes to the house to make it a home. Amen? So we have marriages on the ropes. Homes are in disarray. And then we come to the kids. Look, I taught... I taught elementary, uh, high school, middle school. The kids today are out of control. Do we have to speak about what happened in Michigan? What is going on? The Bible says about kids, you know, people ask their kids, what do you want to eat? What do you want to eat? My kids never had a choice. What are we eating? this. I don't like it. I said, well, you'll be on fasting and prayer tonight, so go in your room. I have episodes about that, but I won't bore you with the details, but the message is not about that. Children, obey your parents. Love your parents. Respect your parents. 
My kids never had an opinion that held any weight unless it made sense to me. I didn't ask them. I, I never tried to be their friend either. I would never sacrifice being their dad to be their friend. You only have one dad. Well, I want my kids to love me. You want them to love you? Love them by teaching them something. I worked in a prison for three years. And you wouldn't believe the guys that come up to me and they said, I hate my father and mother. I said, why? He said, they never taught me right from wrong and here I am. Wow. Wow, that's a disconnect, amen? So when we look at the home and we say, how can we address this? Ephesians 6, 1 through 3 is where love, respect, and honor your parents is. You can make a note of that in the margin and revisit it later. But we must slow down. So my text tonight, Ephesians 5, 16, if you're following along. If not, I think we'll have it up here. Ephesians 5, 16. The first thing we must slow down. I, I can't say that enough. We live at warp speed. And warp speed, warp speed, unless you're going to a planet someplace, will get you in trouble because you're moving faster than you can react. Tonight, you know, my wife said, you know, driving at night's not as easy as it used to be. I said, you know why? She said, why? I said, because you're old. You can't see like you did. You can't react as fast as you did. So I told her to what? Slow down. Give yourself time to respond. Slow down. We have to slow down. Why? Because the days are evil. This is what this verse, I'm going to share this verse with you. Break it down. He says, redeem the time. Redeem the time because the days are evil. Now, right off the bat, when you redeem something, it has a sense of value. Okay? How many folks here, when you go to a grocery store or something, have coupons? So, why do we use the coupon? We redeem it and save money. The Bible says redeem the time. In other words, make it pay a dividend. Make it worthwhile. Don't just waste time. Invest it. You get a return on it. So we first must manage our time to make good use of the time. Have a plan. Have a purpose. And have a backup. I don't know about you, but plans at times are made to be broken. So have a backup. If this goes wrong, we'll do plan B. You say, well, you gotta be very organized. Well, the point is, God is a God of order. 
And if I know Christ as my Savior, He brought order to my life because I live with a purpose. I live with a plan. And I live as one under orders. Jesus said, not my will, but thy will be done. And I should say, Lord, not my will, but thy will be done. And that means I'm under orders. I'm on not military time, but God's time. And many folks, you know, they question, well, why this? And well, why we did that? We went to church. We Listen. God would enjoy that we go to church, but he wants us to love him enough to put him first. You know, if I ever put my wife second, she'd tell me about it. Why? She wants to be the apple of my eye. Uh, Ladies, is that true? And if I don't put her first, I'll regret it because she'll certainly make that, she'll make me aware of it. Well, why would God play second fiddle? He gave the ultimate sacrifice for us. He gave his best, his son. And we say, we love you, Lord, and I'll get around to reading my Bible. I'll get around to pray. Oops, I forgot. I'll get a, really? If I am going to redeem the time, then the time that I use, I see opportunity with the time to worship God, to read the Bible. Remember this, the Holy Spirit will bring to remembrance what Jesus said and what you read. You don't read the Bible, what's God going to bring to your remembrance if you haven't read it? So in redeeming the time, it removes the chaos. In redeeming the time, our life is orderly in activity and purpose and plan. And that's how a marriage, two, become one. That's how a house becomes a home. That's how children become respectful and obedient, responsive to the parents and God. And, and, and in school, they listen when spoken to. Well... We, we need to make the most of every opportunity. You say, how? Make good choices. Make good choices. Some people say, why do good things always happen to these people and I get the other side? Well, maybe you made bad choices. You know, I always, one of my favorite verses when people talk to me, they say, hey, 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 Brother Rafa, what do you think about this? I say, what say it the scripture? Romans 4, 3 and Galatians uh, 4, 31. I say, well, you got that memorized. I want to know what the scriptures say. I want to know what God says in that situation. Why? Because I want to land on my feet. I've landed on my head and my back. Too many times. And you know, when you, when you land on your head, you land on your back, you're always looking up. And the old preacher used to say, God put you on your back so you look up there and pay attention to him. So the principal point, we redeem the time. So we avoid being victims. 
the drama in America today is smothering. And everybody's a victim. Everybody's a victim. And where are the overcomers? Jesus said, I have overcome the world. So if I live for Christ, what is it? Is there anything too hard for God? No. The only limitations God has, and I've said this a thousand times, maybe to you or not to you, but the only limitations God has are the ones we place on him. Remember, without faith, it's impossible to please God. You must believe that he is God and a rewarder of those that not casually or occasionally seek him, but diligently, purposefully seek him. That's how you redeem your life, your time, the opportunities. When things happen, there are opportunities. Well, it's bad. It's an opportunity. God brought in your way to show you how great he is, to help you overcome it, you become stronger, then you become a counselor to your kids, your friends, and you say, I know how to fix that. That happened to me. And we learn how to overcome that way. And we can teach our kiddos to overcome. And our family, our friends, we need to be overcomers. We need to be over the circumstances, not under them. And we need to show the world that our God is great. Our God is sufficient. And our lives do not parallel their lives. They parallel the biblical model of what a husband, wife, children, home looks like. Amen. Too many times we watch TV and think this stuff they put on there is normalcy. And if we don't read the Bible, study the Bible, memorize the Bible, we'll start believing and that's normal. I'll give you a a situation uh, from our church. Uh, As our church grew, it was exciting. But our piano was on the floor here, the organ here. And uh, when church was over, the kids were banging on the piano and, you know, cost a lot to tune them. So I told the trustees and the deacons, I said, hey, manage the equipment, will you? Manage the equipment, you know, just kind of shoo the kids away so we don't want to offend anybody. I said, since when did it become proper to abuse God's property? That's an instrument of worship. And little kids don't appreciate it. So I, I, I hit this pretty hard. And this one guy, he's pretty good with wood. So we had our board meeting. He said, Pastor, I got the answer. I said, answer to what? He said, the problem we're having with the piano with the kids. I said, oh, what's your answer? He said, piano locks. What? I said, what's a piano lock? He said, well, I could fabricate something here. We could put a key on it. And I said, what's wrong with saying to a kid, no, 
out of the auditorium, go where kids go. Well, I don't offend the parents. I said, you know, I speak to the parents. Why don't you speak for God instead of going in the closet and being afraid to do what's right? Piano locks? I'll never forget that one. Uh, what's so hard to say, hey, 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 guys, here, that's, that's a worship, an instrument of worship here. Come on, come on, come on. Go, go, go back in the uh, recreation room there. Go ahead, your folks will be there. They should be here, but I don't know where they're at, but they should be here. Well, pastor, you got to understand, kids are kids. I said, no, you got to understand, you got to raise them. Amen. You got to train them. And they shouldn't be rowdy little stinkers in the house of worship. You ought to teach them to respect where they are. Ooh, you're meddling now, preacher. You know, a pastor always runs the risk of offending a person because of truth. But let me tell you something. I respect a, a pastor that tells me the truth because he loves me. I love when, when, when Pastor Tony preaches and he, and he hits the hard stuff. I'm back there saying amen. Amen. And I used to tell the folks in the church, I said, what are you so hard on this for? I said, it's a Cinderella theory. If the shoe fits, wear it. Don't complain about it. If it's not your problem, don't make it mine. Amen. Fix it. So the redemption is an important part. And then we segue... We say then, the days are evil, so it's a godlessness. Uh, how many of you are aware that when you leave your home or this church, it's not a godly environment out there anymore? We have to take control of our kids, our families, our actions, our behavior. We're Christians, and we ought to live that way with conviction. Next point, time is a gift from God. Uh, let, let me tell you one of the issues here, okay? Many people profess to be Christians, but somehow their lives don't follow that pattern. You know, I, I got saved. Hey, I'll tell you this, I, I've got my, my granddaughter. Uh, she's, I think she's going to get married. If not, it's coming close. So I said, I need to get to know your boyfriend uh, or fiance. I said, I'm going to spend some time with him. She said, okay, Pop. And I talked to him. I said, hey, uh, tell me about yourself. You know, he told me about his, his work, his family. He's got a father, he's got a business. He's an outdoorsman. He likes to hunt and uh, whatnot. Very skillful young man. And I said, tell me, you go to church? He goes, yeah. I said, uh, what church is it? And he told me. I said, you active? He says, pretty much, but, you know, could be more. And I said, well, you know the Lord is your Savior. He says, well, now that you brought it up. He said, my, my folks said I made a decision for Christ when I was four years old. He said, but when I was 16, I wasn't feeling it. In other words, I, I wasn't happy with my life. He said, I went forward to answer the invitation, the altar call in church, and I got saved. So I've been saved, Mr. Rafa, since the age of 16, for sure. 
I said, you know what? I really appreciate your candor, man. Because a lot of people would be embarrassed. And, well, you know, I thought I was saved, but you know. And, hey, you know what? You don't fool anybody but God. You know, there's going to be some people that think when, when they're called where they think is home, uh, there's going to be a detour. See, we love you with, with our lips, but our heart's far from you, Lord. You know, can you go back to the time where you actually gave your heart to Christ and say, Lord, I believe what you did on a cross was payment for my sin. I'm a sinner. I now, by faith, trust what you did on that cross as payment for my sin. I now receive you as my Savior. That's getting saved. When you take action on the decision, you invest your faith, embrace it, believe it, drop your life, and follow his. That's what the apostles did. They no longer were fishermen. They were fishers of men. They left their vocations, their families, and and, and that's required in, in salvation. Christ before job, vocation, family, anything. It's him. And then everything else fits. There's a lot of folks uh, professing to be Christians, but they don't have the life. They don't have the spirit of God in them to give them that power, the, the ability to overcome these things. So time is a gift from God. Believers must be aware that they're on God's time. Each of us are to serve our living God. We're on the clock. Have you noticed time is short? You know, there's more things I can't do today than I could. And when I was a young man, we were watching seeing pictures the other day. You know, we went shopping downtown Philly. I had all these uh, Christmas stuff, and I had my son on my arm, and I'm going up like uh, 25 steps. I can't do two today. And I told my wife, I said, you believe I was strong at one time? I'm closer to the end than I am the beginning. Does that affect how I live? Yeah. Yeah. I want to go out serving. I don't want to be rusting out or wearing out. I want to serve my way out. And you say, well, don't you hurt? Yeah, I got rheumatoid arthritis. I got a bum knee. Okay. I got a, it's just, you know, I don't want to share all my problems with you. But it don't stop me from serving God. Why? You said, my grace is sufficient. When you want to serve me, I'll give you strength and grace that you know nothing about. But when you go play golf, I can't say I'll be there for that. The point is, Psalm 39. I'll read the verse and then I'll interpret it. Lord, make me to know my end and the measure of my days, what it is, that I may know how frail I am. You know, old age is not new to us. It's been going on for thousands of years. And the Bible has to say a lot about old age. It'd be a good study for those of us that are over 60. 
Verse 5, Behold, thou hast made my days as a hand breath. You know when it's cold outside and you're out there a while, you go like this? How far does that take you? And our life is like a vapor. My father told me, he said, you know, son, he said, uh, life seemed to move slow until I hit 50. He said, then it moved a little faster. He said, when I hit 60, he said, it zoomed by. I kept saying, where has my life gone? And he said, in my 70s, he said, I lost track of time. Things move so fast. He said, enjoy the time you have while you're young. Because as you grow older, you're more limited. But times move so fast. Because your little kids become young adults, your young adults become dads and moms. And they have kids and you have grandkids. And you look and you say, was that that little boy that I held on my lap? And now he's a man and he could probably hold me on his lap. The psalmist says, and my age is nothing before thee. So if I live to be a hundred, God is eternal. How do I question him? Why, why, why? God don't answer to me. But I shouldn't say why. I say, Lord, at this stage in my life, what would you want me to do? What can I do with my limitations to please you? I have the time. Amen. Though it moves swiftly. Lord, I want to invest it in you because the dividends are out of this world. My interpretation, teach me, O oh Lord, about the end of my life. And teach me about the number of my days, what I have left. Remind me how temporary my life is. Lord, you have made the length of my days short. My lifespan is nothing compared to your existence. Surely everyone's life is like a hand breath in the wind. Selah. Lord, teach me, remind me. And the third point is notice that time is irreversible. You only pass through the stages of time once. I'll never be 60 again. So what should I do? Time is irreplaceable. It can't be altered. In other words, my life, what I did in the past, my failures, whatever, it can't be changed. The footprint is there. So, Brother Rafa, what do I do? Start over. Start living for God instead of yourself. You saw the mistakes you made. 
You may have made some mistakes with your kids or grandkids. It's never too late to do the right thing. In fact, those kids might be astonished for how the people that raised them has changed. What happened to you? Should have happened years ago, son, daughter. Let me tell you what I've learned from my mistakes so you don't repeat them. And how important a relationship with God is to the life you live. And you might not have the regrets I do. So in closing, windows and doors are closing all the time. All the time. Opportunities are before us today. We ought to consider not to spend our time and waste it, but invest our time. Look, you know, he came to the church here. Uh, we should have been here five years ago, but we didn't know the church was here. That's a long story. Just trust me. We came to a few services here, and we saw lives changed, babies dedicated, young people coming to the altar. And my wife looked at me. She said, this is our church. And I, I, I came forward one Sunday, and I told the pastor, I said, look, I want to be a part of what you're doing. I don't have to have, uh, I, I don't want a hired position or anything. I just want to be in a position to help you to accomplish all God wants you to accomplish. Why? I want to be a part of touching people's lives. I want to be a part of seeing people unhindered by their circumstances. I want to see people overcome by the grace of God. I want to see them practice overcoming so they can be a testimony to their grandkids and their kids. And they'll say, what happened to you? Say, I got right with God. And I hope, son, daughter, you would do the same thing. I came late to the party. You don't have to be as foolish as I am. So as we close, tomorrow, don't boast thyself of tomorrow. I got news for you folks. Tomorrow never comes. Amen. Today's the day of salvation. Today is the day of service. Listen, I, I've got two Bible studies I conduct. I'm mentoring four people, and Chris called me. He said, do you think you could fill in Wednesday? Yeah. Well, don't you have enough to do? Yeah. But I would never pass an opportunity up to serve God. Ever. What an honor for God to call my number and say, here's a chance you've been waiting for you ever see a football player on the field saying, I don't want to play, I just want to sit on the bench? I stay ready for the call. You say, but if he don't call, it's fun getting ready, amen? amen. But how about if he does call? How about if you 
are in a situation and God brings a situation to you and you get a chance to lead a person to Christ or help them through a problem and show them the grace of God in action. That's service to God. Amen? Everyone's on the clock. God ordained our time here. You know, when I was diagnosed with cancer 21 years ago, they said, you got five years to live. That's what I said. So thank you, Lord. You know when I'm going home? When he's done with me. And I'd be glad to go. Why? Because then I'll see face to face the one I serve by faith. And he don't have to say, well done. I mean, that'd be a privilege. Wouldn't that be cool to have a God of the universe and say, hey, Chris, well done. Man, what a privilege that would be. But you know, you give him all you have. You do all you can. And what you can't do that he brings in front of you, he'll give you the grace and strength to do it. Test him. Test him. I'll close with this verse. Psalm 119. Well, I really have one after that. 119, 133, and 34. He said, Lord, direct my steps by your word. Remember, you've got to read the word in order to gain direction. And let no iniquity have dominion over me. He's saying, through your word, I can overcome iniquity. I can overcome. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's in his strength I can conquer, not in mine. Redeem me from the oppression of man. You know, there's a lot of silly stuff going on out there. But you know what? I don't watch it anymore. I just study and prepare for my ministry. What's going to happen is going to happen. But while it's happening, I want things happen in my life for Christ. And when he calls me home or they take and uh, martyr me or something, I'll die serving the one who died on the cross for me. Why? That I may keep your precepts and be, be, be busy living for you. I've got Ecclesiastes, I don't know if we'll get it up here, 311. He hath made everything beautiful in his time. And also, he set the word, world in their hearts. So that a man can find out the work that God maketh from the beginning. In other words, they could speak evolution and all, and they're going to try to figure out where the earth came from. God said, you're not going to find it because I made it. And the part up there that I love, and I'm here to tell you, I'm 73 years old, and God in my life has made everything beautiful in his time. Not my time. So the message today is hurry up and wait. Haste makes waste. Be busy serving God and then let the matters of this life and world fill in the cracks. Don't live for this world and let God fill in the cracks. He's better than that. And he could do more with what you give him than anything you could do or the world could do. 
Live for the Lord. Slow down. Make time for God, your wife, your kids, your grandkids, so you can influence them for Christ's sake. And then you'll see change. And your life and family will become different because the hand of God will do what he said he will.